0: And laughs. Theater of the mind. The best love programs from radio's golden age. Only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor.
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Let George Do It was an American radio drama series produced from 1946 to 1954. Bob Bailey starred as private investigator George Valentine. One of his earliest roles on radio was that of the title character in the comedy serial Mortimer Gooch on CBS. In the early 40s, Bailey was regularly featured on network radio programs originating from Chicago. But let's go back to George Valentine. Clients came to his office after reading a newspaper ad that carried this note, Personal Notice dangers my stock in trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you've got a job for me, George Valentine. Right, full details. Of course, if this were in today's world, he would have used Kijiji, but this episode is from 1944. A Valentine's secretary was Claire Brooks, a.k.a. Brooksy, voiced by Francis Robinson. A little program note I found interesting, the background music was supplied by Eddie Dunstetter, initially with a full orchestra, and when television supplanted radio as the country's primary home entertainment, radio budgets got skimpier and skimpier, and Dunstetter's orchestra was replaced by an organ. Well, let's see what job a classified reader has for George tonight. Here's the episode, The Iron Cat.
2: Personal notice, danger is my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. Oil Company of California, on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West, invite you to Let George Do It. The Iron Cap, a transcribed adventure of George Valentine. Dear Mr. Valentine, it's just by luck that last night I didn't kill myself. Yes, kill myself. Mr. Valentine, will you please, please stay in your office? I'm sure I can be there before six. I need your help desperately tonight. Tonight, now that my eyes are more open, I need you. I need someone to help keep me from killing other people. Oh, thank heaven you waited... Oh yes, forgive my appearance. No, no, come on in, Mr. Ramsey. Here, take the bags for you. Uh, I was out all night last night.
3: Hello, I'm Claire Brooks.
2: How do you do? I walked, I haven't changed my clothes. Oh, certainly have interfered with your dinner hour, haven't I?
3: Oh, we had sandwiches and coffee sent up. Do you want some? You look as though you
2: could use something to eat, Mr. Ramsey. I don't know, I I haven't. Uh, I'll I'll put them right here. Uh, uh, They're not suitcases. Tape machine. The other one's a speaker. Tape machine? Recorder. My own. My manufacturer. Ramsey Dill Company. I designed it. <laughs> but I neglected the weight. Like carrying two elephants.
4: <laughs> oh. Oh,
3: that's better. Here's a cup for you. Sugar if you want. it. Oh,
5: thank you.
2: Oh, coffee. Beautiful. Well, I... I brought those up here for some reason or other. Show you something, I suppose. Oh, well, maybe this will wake me up.
3: <laughs>
2: you understand I'm mad, both of you. Crazy, wacky as a loon. I forget things I shake when I shouldn't. Too touchy, you work too hard, too neurotic, too serious, too unpleasant. Oh, yeah, sugar. Yeah, Two lumps. All right. Uh, suppose you start at the beginning, Mr. Ramsey. The sad saga of me. It's nothing very original. Work too hard. At least that's what people keep telling me. You run this Ramsey Dill Company? With Edward Dill, my... my best friend. Five years and we're finally doing all right. Business, I mean. I expected to be around next week when we were to sign a million-dollar contract.
3: Expected? Is there any connection between the past tense and you saying you wanted to kill yourself?
2: Oh, no, no, no. That's... That's... uh, I'm over that now. That's something else now. Killing other people. Oh. I... I... I am tired, Mr. Valentine. Confused. It's my wife, Martha. My little melodrama of self-destruction last night was only because I couldn't stand the thought of losing her. What do you mean? One of those tapering off things, a whole year of less and less interest in each other. Of course, it's my fault. Well, that's what everyone says. I've always believed it. They've said it so much. But is it? I thought so. I've had to get this work done, the machine. My partner is a good salesman, good personality, but I'm the one who has the standard the reputation. I'm the electrical engineer.
5: Mm.
2: I did break down and let Martha take me on a vacation two months ago hoping I could mend things. <laughs> but it only made it worse. I got shot in the leg. Mm. You what? Mr. Valentine, I won't draw any conclusions for you until last night. I never drew any myself. When we were hunting. Accidents happen. Any number of people out looking for deer with guns. I never even bothered trying to find out who thought I wore horns. I was too upset, I couldn't.
3: What do you mean, too upset?
2: Martha talked of going away to visit her sister up north. She went out more and more frequently to her old office. She used to be a decorator. Here, here, I'll, I'll show you what I mean. Huh? The... Oh, uh... there's a light plug. Oh, good eye. It takes a second to warm up. You understand, I don't eavesdrop. The machine's on all the time at home, that's all. I've used it to check quality, never even noticed the words people were saying, and... Oh, here we are. Martha, what's the matter with that butler of yours? He looked at me cross-eyed when I came
6: in. Robert's all right, Eddie.
2: How much does he know? He's always admired Fred. He's
6: all right, I've paid him extra, don't worry. Drink a drink.
2: Hey, what goes on? It's Edward Dill, my partner, my best friend, the man I turned to when I thought my wife might leave me.
7: He know I'm here?
6: I guess so.
2: Hmm. I'll run up in a minute.
6: Eddie, tell him he doesn't look well. He won't believe you.
2: Sure, me. sure, I know. But won't he suspect?
6: Oh, my. That awful machine of his isn't on, is it? I hate that thing. <laughs> now
2: take it easy. That machine is going to make us a lot of money. The Ramsey Dill Company. That's us.
6: Oh, don't. Don't talk about it. I can't. Besides, it, you going fishing this weekend, Eddie?
2: Yeah, I thought I would.
6: I saw you buying tackle when I was down at the decorator's office today.
2: Go down there quite a bit, don't you?
6: Yes. I'm visiting my sisters, you know.
2: Oh, uh, this weekend?
6: Just for a few days. I won't stay, but Fred will be at Palm Springs with his doctor friend, so... Oh, here, another drink. I don't think I'll go back to work. I haven't really decided...
5: Oh, Woody, I'm so
2: scared. Now, take it easy, Martha.
6: If only it worked out right that time before on the hunting trip. Oh, I
2: said take it easy. This is better anyway for the future. Uh, well... Look who's here. Hello, Fred. Mr. Valentine, this this is all mixed up. Until last night, I blamed myself for everything. Until you heard the tape. No, no, no. They, they were good friends. I knew that. Oh, even Robert's been acting so strangely. Dr. Baldwin was going to pick me up this afternoon for Palm Springs. But I phoned. I told him not to. Martha had already left the house for her sisters. I was alone with Robert. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is this doctor friend of yours? What? Of mine? Oh, no, no, no. I've only met him a few times. Of Dill's. An old friend of his, I found out. I thought the doctor was just interested in me. He kept telling me I needed a rest. Dr.
3: Baldwin wouldn't be a psychiatrist by any chance.
2: (laughs) What an appropriate question. I don't blame you. And he talked like one, but I found out he was just a general practitioner, a friend of Dill's. Listen, there's, there's just a bit here. I'll take care of everything, Mrs. Ramsey. Don't worry. Just the way you want it.
5: Of course
2: he needs a rest. It's the best thing for him, isn't it? I'm only doing what any old friend would do. I know this is all confused, but listen to me. At noon, I telephoned the decorator. And Martha's never been there, never. Not in the past year. It's all a lie. And my friend, Edward Dill.
3: Incidentally, was Edward Dill on that hunting trip with you and your wife? Of course he
2: was, my best friend. And this weekend he's out fishing, but I phoned his lodge. No answer, another lie. And so back to my wife. I called long distance to her sister. Was she there? She hadn't even written her for a month. Uh Now, look. Here, look. This was on my wife's desk.
3: Was that a blotter?
2: It's her writing. It's backwards. But I brought some of her own notes and things to prove it's the same handwriting. Uh The blotter she used to blot a check dated today. She must have written it this morning before she left the house. To Dr. G.F. Baldwin.
0: Hey,
2: $5,000. George. A personal friend of Dill's. A doctor who made only a few visits. I don't believe I ever would have returned from Palm Springs, wherever it was he was going to take me. Oh, it it, it, it sounds so crazy when you say it. I, oh, I'm such a fool.
3: Supposing that doctor could manage to get you
2: um,
3: put away, Mr. Ramsey.
2: <laughs> I couldn't think why. Why these people hate me. I know now it isn't just that I remembered. The big deal our company will make next week. I've served my usefulness. Oh, yes, yes. I'm sure I'd be quite easy to commit. And, and Mr. Valentine, I've, I'm i not proud of this. This afternoon, I actually spied on Martha. She went to Edward Dill's apartment. That's where they are now, the two of them.
8: Well, let me ask you something,
2: Is that servant of yours, Robert, still out at your house? Yes. Yes, Robert used to be a friend of mine. That's what I mean. And maybe they've paid him extra. If I twist his arm a little, he might change sides again and fill in the whole story. No, no, sit still, Mr. Ramsey. I'm going alone. Get some rest there on the couch. Hey, Brooksy, feed him my sandwiches. I'm going out to feed this snide little plot right back down somebody's throat. It. Uh, looks like I'm a little late. Somebody else has been doing the feeding. Nice, brutal going over. Cracked over the side of the head. I guess you won't be telling any stories for a while, will you? Okay, I'll get you doctor, friend, while we go at this in a different direction. Beggs, the other nurse says you're Dr. Baldwin's assistant. Is that right?
9: His bookkeeper, bottle washer, and hand holder for 30 years. And I'm busy now with the bills, thank you. Well, I'm busy
2: myself, lady. I want to see the doctor. A guy got knocked on the head, and the police are out looking at him now.
9: Well, we've got plenty of business. Send him to the emergency office. Look,
2: lady, look. I don't need the doctor for that. I need him for something else, some
9: fast questions. The doctor's out. O-U-T, out. Oh, that's crazy. Now, who got knocked over the head? Somebody like you? Uh
2: guy out of the house I just came from. Uh, Look, Miss Banks, you keep the books, huh? Send out bills for Dr. Baldwin?
9: Send out his laundry, too, when he forgets. See that he eats his lunch. Oh, sure, sure, sure.
2: But there's a man named Ramsey who's been a patient of the doctor's. Check?
9: Well, yes. Doctors called at their house a few times. Now, but, mister, I'm working late tonight, and I'm... If you don't
2: answer me, the police will ask it. Did you send a bill to Mrs. Martha Ramsey today?
9: A note? Of course. Doctor was leaving town. He wanted some payment.
2: Uh-huh. $5,000.
9: Five what? Well, I i didn't know the amount they'd agreed
2: on. $5,000 for just a few visits. Lady, just tell me why he charged so much. But
9: I... Well, he wouldn't. I don't know. It was just one of those mental cases. And the doctor was going to drive him up to a sanitarium this weekend. Maybe that's why... Sanitarium?
2: I... Palm Springs?
9: Well, near there. You see, this Mr. Ramsey should have been locked up long ago. That's what I'm told. Look, mister. That's where the doctor is now. Huh? Where? Out to pick up this man in his car. This is Mr. Ramsey at their house. No, he's not.
2: I just came from there.
9: Well, maybe they've already left. Did you look around the side drive?
2: Hey, skip it. Give me your phone. (laughs) Hey, Valentine, we found this guy Robert you told us about and sent him to the hospital. Lieutenant Riley, that's not what I Don't interrupt
5: me. Yes,
2: we found a car belonging to a Dr. Baldwin out on the side drive. So we're 14 jumps ahead of you. We weren't blind like you, pal. We looked around, and guess what we found in the doorway of the study? The doctor himself. Only he's dead. That's right, Valentine. The doctor's dead. Struck over the head with a blunt instrument. For your information, the same one that hit Robert. And just to make it complete, guess what that instrument was? It was a cat. An iron cat. return to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. For your everyday driving on your vacation trip, nothing's more important to your safety than clear vision from the driver's seat, and a clouded, dirty windshield can be mighty annoying as well as a hazard. That's why you like the courteous, speedy windshield service everybody gets at standard stations and independent Chevron gas stations where you don't have to ask for it. Taking care of your windshield is as natural for men at these service stations as it is for you to say good morning to your neighbor. And they do the job in a jiffy because they have everything at hand within an arm's reach of your car. So for your driving safety and for your visual comfort, depend on the cheerful windshield service offered you at independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations where they say and mean we take better care of your car. (laughs) Now, back to tonight's adventure of George Valentine, an iron cat. That was the instrument which struck down Dr. Baldwin, a doctor who, for $5,000, was apparently going to drive Mr. Ramsey off to a private sanitarium this weekend. And the iron cat was also the instrument which almost killed Robert, the Ramsey's servant, who might have been on Mr. Ramsey's side. If your name is George Valentine, you know that this is one case where you'll have to work fast. What is this iron cat anyway, Riley? It's a doorstop. Used to be right here by the front door. Weighs eight or ten pounds. It's a nice weapon. Killer just grabbed it up and slugged both of them. The doctor and Robert. Uh
0: Where'd you find it?
2: Oh, down that trail there through the woods. Almost a mile. Killer left it that way and tossed this in the bushes, I guess. It's the path to the other road. Came on foot, huh? Car might have been seen by the main entrance. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Hey, hey, where are you going? To talk to the lady of the house, Mrs. Martha Ramsey. <laughs> Mrs. Ramsey, what kind of a railroading job were you planning on your no. husband anyway? To ferry him no. off to a sanitarium someplace? No, no,
5: stop it, stop it! Oh, I love him. I love him. <laughs>
2: Well, Valentine, now look what you did. Quiet with you, Rally? Just beginning to guess what I did. Hmm? Where's Dill?
0: Didn't you bring Dill? I'm
2: right here, Valentine. When you lay off of no, me? I'll take it easy, you. But Martha thinks her husband killed the doctor, don't you understand? That he took the iron cat and slugged Robert and then killed the doctor. Betty, please. To get away from them. Just more people that he couldn't trust. Like he wouldn't trust us, like he wouldn't trust anybody. What are you talking about? Go on, go on. Just who does she love? Her husband, of course. Not me. I'm a friend, that's all. You worked together when you were a poppin' you? We've lied to him about everything for months. We've had to. Fred got worse and worse. That's why the doctor didn't want Martha around when he took him away. He was afraid there might be trouble, even though Fred signed his own papers. He signed what? Ramsey signed what? His own papers. He signed them right here. Oh, it's a a thing you have to sign. You're you're being locked up of your own free will and volition. Ramsey committed himself to the sanitarium? He did for observation. Baldwin was no expert, no uh, psychiatrist. They're up at the sanitarium. Oh, a couple of them have been here in the house, even though Ramsey didn't know who they were. We checked into Baldwin, Valentine. His reputation's solid. Of course, Martha came to my place this afternoon. At least I don't have a tape machine, and I do have a big shoulder to cry on. Oh, don't you understand? I like Fred just as much as she does. And with him out of the way, you would have made a lot more money on this deal of your companies next week. What? What? Look, sure, sure, we kept it a secret, I mean, about Fred. We have, too. People might think he couldn't be cured. The deal might not go through. And Martha had to pretend things about visiting her old office so she could see the doctor and see me for help. I'll ask you. Now, Till, listen to me. Yeah, that right. shooting accident two months ago when Ramsey oh, yeah, was shot, yeah. and Martha and you... Well, what about it? Mm-hmm. It was a deputy sheriff who shot him, you know. Is that so? What's that? Yes, a deputy sheriff on a hunting trip. Oh, I'm not kidding. It was an accident. Yeah. But poor Fred, he wouldn't even listen All to right, the accident. Sergeant. Thanks was Ramsey, all right. His fingerprints are on that iron cat. The butler, Robert, says it happened just as the doctor drove up. Ramsey got all excited when he saw the doctor's car and tried to run. Said he'd changed his mind about commitment. Robert tried to stop him, and Ramsey picked up the iron cat, and that's the last he remembers. Well, good enough. And he warned me himself. He styled myself wide open to being made a sucker. You'll hmm? say anything he's like that, Mr. Valentine, when he gets to feeling persecuted. Feeling nobody likes him. Why, if you so much as open your mouth with you like right, Now, left... wait a minute. Where you going?
5: Wait, what's the matter?
2: Oh, sorry I fell asleep, Miss Brooks. Mr. Valentine's not back.
3: No, not yet. Oh. Do you like a magazine, Mr. Ramsey? I'm reading the craziest love story of What's the matter?
2: Nothing. Do you think I can trust. Mr. Valentine, Miss Brooks.
3: (laughs) Well, of course. Don't be ridiculous. What? There, that's probably him No, no, wait a minute.
2: Don't don't answer it yet. What? Well, he said he'd come back, didn't he? He didn't say he'd phone.
3: yes, but maybe something happened. No, don't. Please,
2: please don't. Mr. Ramsey. What could have happened that would make you phone? But I
3: can't just let it ring. (laughs) Mr. Ramsey!
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to kick the cord loose. You
3: shouldn't have done that.
2: I... Well, I'm not awake yet. I was reaching to answer it. of course. You believe me, don't you?
3: No. But I don't think it's very important to you. Oh. Here. There's a little coffee left in a sandwich. I can warm it up on the plate. Please, don't... Don't look at
2: me that way. I am sorry. I think maybe we should skip it. Why don't you believe me? Why don't
3: you? Why?
2: Oh. Oh, forgive me. I... I'm so tired. Of
3: course you are.
2: So much has happened, I, I can't even remember. A man is a peculiar thing. This office building is nice. I like it here at night. It's like a man. So many empty rooms, so many dark ones.
3: Mr. Ramsey, I... I think I'd better call the night janitor downstairs. What? Just tell him about the telephone for tomorrow, that's well, you all. you want to
2: leave me, don't
3: you? No, of course not. It'll just take a minute. Well,
2: ten but... flights down. No, wait, please. Don't, don't
3: you. I'll just go buzz the elevator. Miss Brooks! <laughs> you,
2: you don't understand. I'm afraid to be alone.
3: Well, yes, I do. You came to us for help, Mr. Ramsey. That's what we want to do. Help you.
2: Of course, I know what you're thinking. What you've thought all along, the way you listened to the story I told. Story? I did tell Mr. Valentine something, didn't I?
3: Don't you remember what you told
2: us? You don't like me. You don't understand me. You and Mr. Valentine have never once really intended to... What's that?
3: Siren. I, I don't know. Fire, maybe somebody's feeding. Of course. I, I think I do understand you, Mr. Ramsey. And I'd like to talk to you if you'd just sit down and...
2: Robert didn't understand me.
3: What?
2: I told him I knew I needed help. I'd certainly go to the sanitarium later on. He refused to understand. Like all the others. My wife, Dill, everyone. And it wouldn't have happened if Robert hadn't tried to interfere. There's so much
5: blood on that iron
2: cat. No. Listen, that siren's coming here.
4: No, it's not. It's just
3: going by, going down the street. It's... It's not coming here. I'm sure it's not. Look, now.
2: Now there are men coming in the building. You and Mr. Valentine, you're interfering too,
5: aren't you? No, no. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> there.
2: If there aren't any lights, they won't know we're here.
3: M- Mr. Ramsey, please listen to me.
4: I wanted to be helped. To believe my wife loved me. Get away. Please get away. Listen. I'll tell him you're not here. I'll tell him. Well, oh you... move closer and closer to me.
2: Valentine, <coughs> you hear that, Brooksy?
5: Brooksy. Brooksy.
2: No lights. Oh, they're not here, but we just heard Hey, what was that? I don't know, but come on, come on. Really, wait, wait. Well, could be any place. He's got her. One of the other officers, the fire escape, the storeroom. But now, the now you listen to me. What? Don't you understand? The closer we get, the more dangerous she's in. Go on, beat it. what make lots of noise. Oh, where is that blasted plug? All right, all right. Uh, let's look someplace else, Valentine. Or maybe she's downstairs. Here. Let's take a your... look. Oh, here it is. Now, warm up, will you? Warm up and work fast. <laughs> i take it easy. That machine is going to make us a lot of money. The Ramsey Dill Company. Sure, That's... Ramsey, you're sick.
6: Talk about it, I can't. Besides, it...
2: Everybody will tell you oh, that, that you're sick.
6: Weekend,
2: yeah, I oh, Even the one. doctor's trying to pick so on got you. Got he got says to it well, too.
6: I'm down at the decorator's office today.
2: We're down there quite a bit, don't and you? listen to Dill. Yes,
6: but I'm that guy's
2: trying to steal your wife. Oh, this weekend. And your That's precious machine.
6: Right. I won't stay, but. Hear so that a sucker? That
2: a boy come on closer. Go here. I'm Come on, see. you sucker. We'll all I tell you
6: off.
2: We're all Shut trying up. to frame you. Shut Make a fool out of you. Stop it. Ramsey's a sucker. Stop it, it. sir. them all stop. in the teeth,
5: Buster. You get yours. Oh.
2: Hey, Brooksy. Brooksy. Where are you, Brooksy?
5: George. Oh, George. George. <laughs>
4: Kept his hand over my mouth. The closer you came, the more frightened he got, and the more I know, I know, John.
2: I'll never forgive myself. Well, it's all over now. The boys took him away to the hospital. It wasn't your fault, George. Of course it wasn't. We can't be right all the time.
3: Danger's our stock and trade. We do lay ourselves wide open.
2: You can't help it if a nut reads the wrong meaning into everything. His wife and partner's concern over him. Their worry and whispering. Riley, I don't want you to get taken in for a sucker reader.
5: Huh?
2: No, I don't want you reading the wrong meaning of things. George. Things like, just because Ramsey socked Robert with that iron cat, he killed the doctor too. What? Well, Robert himself said the doctor's car just drove up. What about Robert? that $5,000 check? Well, it's steep, but they wanted to keep it quiet. You investigated and, uh... the doctor yourself. Solid reputation. Of course, Martha Ramsey paid it because she was so upset, didn't question it. But go over and pick up those two things there, Riley. What are you huh?
3: talking about, Those Charlie? two
2: boxes over there, what's left of them. The tape machine and the speaker. See how heavy they are, how clumsy. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, well...
2: Sure, maybe they are, but... All right, then think back. Ramsey left the house carrying those, you know. Only he socked Robert right by the front door. Hey, wait a sure, minute. Sure, sure. And the doctor's body was found in the house, too. But the weapon, the Iron Cat, was found nearly a mile from the house, where he supposedly discarded it or tried to hide it. Go on, pick up those boxes again. And now tell me how he'd carry the Iron Cat, too. Holy smoke. It <clears throat> can't be done. See what I mean? Now, suppose the murderer was there and saw what Ramsey did to Robert. Saw him drop the weapon right there by the door. And Quick like decided to take advantage of the escape madman.
3: Killed the doctor when he went inside the house? Left on foot, just like Ramsey had, and then threw the iron cat into the bushes to make it look worse for Ramsey.
2: Sure, the final touch that backfired. But I don't understand who could have... Riley, who might very likely have driven up with the doctor? You know, it's always bothered me that he came all alone to take a man to a sanitarium. And who'd be most likely to help him? And who, after 30 years, might have plenty of motive to kill him? Particularly when you remember who it really was that banks for the doctor and admitted she herself sent that request for 5000 bucks to Martha Ramsey. Miss Beggs, that old battle axe who kept the doctor's books. Be careful, Riley. She's probably pretty much of an iron cat herself.
3: We did help Mr. Ramsey after all, George.
2: Well, they caught Miss Beggs, if that's what you mean. She admitted she'd been dipping into the doctor's funds and he was finally catching on. That she tried to get 5,000 in a hurry so she could run away. Only then came along an even better opportunity.
3: Mm-hmm, to kill the doctor and keep the 5,000, too.
2: Sure. And Ramsey would have been blamed.
3: You know, I don't think the poor man would have really killed me out there on the fire escape. You don't? No.
2: He's sick, isn't he? In a sanitarium, isn't he? Oh,
3: but, George, he can be cured. I'm sure he can. There's so many people around him who want him to get well.
2: <laughs> okay, Angel, okay. In spite of what happened, you still say that. You know... Sometimes I sort of like you.
3: Well, like? George. That and the word trust. Well, the way he used them, I would just as soon not be reminded. Darling, you could fish around and find a nicer word. Couldn't you? Mm
2: Whether you're driving in city traffic or out on the open highway, there's a lot of difference between driving a car that acts dopey and driving with Chevron Supreme gasoline, which gives you that new car feeling. That's because there's a lot of difference between ordinary gasoline and Chevron Supreme. You may not have known it, but most raw gasoline contains impurities that form gum, gum that makes rings and pistons stick and cuts down a car's power. Chevron Supreme is the gasoline that's super refined to get rid of engine-sticking gum. That's why you can depend on this premium quality gasoline for that new car feeling the year round. Try it in your car for new power, for full mileage, in the kind of driving you do. Ask for super refined Chevron Supreme at independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations where they say and mean we take better care of your car. Tonight's adventure of George Valentine has been brought to you by Standard Oil Company of California on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West. Robert Bailey is starred as George, with Virginia Gregg as Brooksy. Let George Do It is written by David Victor and Jackson Gillis and directed by Don Clark. Wally Mayer appears as Lieutenant Riley. Harry Dobkin was heard as Ramsey, Charlotte Lawrence as Martha, Bill Boucher as Dill, Frank Hale as Miss Beggs, and Victor Rodman as Baldwin. The music is composed and presented by Eddie Dunstetter, your announcer, John Heaston. Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System.
1: Stay tuned for A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Ever write a check to yourself you couldn't cover? Well, that's the dilemma Dennis Day finds himself confronting in this episode, New Jim.
2: gentlemen, Dennis Day.
7: Oh, that makes life seem worthwhile Dwells in your eyes And the smell of your smile
2: Dennis Day is brought to you by Colgate Dental Cream and Luster Cream Shampoo. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, dream girl hair. The Dennis Day Show with Barbara Eiler, V. Benedera, Dink Trout, Charles Dant in the orchestra, and yours truly, Vern Smith, is written by Frank Galen and stars our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Here's Dennis to sing. Taking Miss Mary to the ball.
7: Jog along, Mr. Dobbin, and keep this carriage a bobbin. We can't be late, for she has a date. We're taking Miss Mary to the ball. My, oh, my, but she's pretty, the so sweetie. How grand she looked when her pictures took We're taking Miss Mary to the ball Her best girlfriend is her boyfriend's sister. She's old enough now to call him Mister. He's never been personal and he's never kissed her. But when she was away, he said he missed her. Jog along, Mister Dobbin. Keep this carriage a bobbin. We can't be late, for it's her first date. We're taking Miss Mary, a very merry Mary. We're taking Miss Mary to the ball.
2: Success is a matter of psychology, a state of mind. Act like a man of affairs, and you'll soon become a man of affairs. The words seemed to leap from the magazine as they caught the eye of our young hero, Dennis Day. Of course, so so that's why success has eluded him all these years. Immediately, he put on his very best suit. Well, let's be truthful about that, his only suit. His nicest tie. His best suit of underwear. There, I won't give in. He took a bus downtown to the bank where he demanded to see the president himself. My goodness, what can he be up to? Our assets, did you say, Mr. Day? That's what I said. I want to know the assets of this bank. Why, according to our latest financial statement, they amount to $4 million. How about your liabilities? Naturally, they come to $4 million too.
10: Hmm, just barely keeping your head above water, huh?
2: <laughs> May I know the object of these questions, Mr. Day?
10: Sure, I'm going to open up a checking account. All the big shots have checking accounts. Only I want to make sure i got a safe bank.
2: I think you'll find us reliable in every way.
10: Well, I got to admit, you've been pretty made a good, pretty good impression on me in the past. You sent me a calendar last Christmas, and so far it's been right every month. Well, thank you. Boy, and what pictures on it? April, (whistles) May, (whistles)
2: June. (whistles) Gee, I can hardly wait for July. I have news for you, Mister Day. It's a picture of a boy scout rubbing two sticks together. Oh,
10: gosh, no more
5: sailboats?
2: (laughs) No, no, they're obviously too inflammatory. Now, suppose we get down to business. How much were you planning to put into this checking account?
10: Oh, everything. My entire fortune. I want to transfer it from my other bank.
2: Well, really?
10: Sure. Here. You can count it yourself. The tail unscrews.
5: Uh... (laughs) A
2: piggy bank, Mr.
10: Dane. There's almost $7 in it, every cent I have. Saved up by skipping breakfast and going without lunches.
2: My boy, I like your spirit. And I'll be glad to take your account. Here's your checkbook.
10: Gee, thanks. I'm a big shot at last. Only, you're sure that the bank won't fold up on me.
2: Son, I have my own account here, and if I trust it, I'm sure you can. Why, I'll bet the cigar I'm smoking costs more than you've made all week.
10: Oh, yeah? I wouldn't be too sure of that. How much does it cost?
2: Well... Maybe I was a little hasty. Fifty cents.
10: Maybe I was a little hasty,
5: too. You (laughs) were.
10: Hi, Dennis. Oh, hello, Mildred. What are you doing? Oh, my old high school needs a new gym. They sent letters to all us alumni asking for contributions, so I wrote them out a check. I've got a checking account now, you know.
11: So you've told me about thirty times. How much did you? Good heavens! Pay to the order of Benjamin Franklin High School, fifty thousand dollars.
10: Oh, that's just a practice check. I'm not sending them quite that much.
11: Well, how much are you sending them?
10: Seventy-five cents.
11: <laughs> See,
10: here's the check all made out. Gee, sure was a thrill to write that other one, though. I'm still shaking from it. Well,
11: who knows? Maybe someday you'll be able to afford that kind of contribution.
10: I hope so. I sure think a lot of that school. Gee, this letter made me feel so sentimental I got out my old yearbook.
11: Really? Oh, golly, let's see
10: it. Here it is. That's my picture right there. See?
11: Why, Dennis, I didn't know you wore braces on your teeth.
10: Oh, those aren't braces. I used to like shooting spitballs, and that's where I hid the rubber bands.
11: <laughs> oh. Who's the funny-looking girl next to you?
10: Oh, that's Gertrude Boguglio. She was my first girlfriend. <laughs>
11: Those buck teeth and that stringy hair. And she's even cross-eyed. How could you go with her?
10: Well, I didn't know much then. I thought girls were supposed to look that way.
5: <laughs> oh, I
11: see.
10: The bald-headed man in the front of the class is Professor Jensen, our science teacher. He used to like me. Said I had a great head for science.
5: <laughs> really? Yeah.
10: He was always trying to get me to leave it to them.
5: <laughs>
11: Gee, I, she
10: used to laugh at his jokes. He was always kidding like that.
11: Oh, you didn't flunk his course, did you, Dennis?
10: Oh, no, but I was a little lucky. The fellow I sat behind decided to write all the answers on the front of his shirt the night before the final exam. Oh, he did? Yeah, but he made a mistake and wrote them on the back. I got 96.
11: (laughs) Well, I shouldn't wonder.
10: I'd have had 100 if he hadn't worn his pants so high. Well, I'd better get busy filling out the questionnaire that goes along with the check. The
11: questionnaire?
10: Yeah. They want to find out just what the alumni are doing. Who's rich and who's famous and who's got a good job.
11: Oh, that's it.
10: Yeah. Hope they're also interested in who's flotsam and who's jetsam.
11: <laughs> <laughs> You'll be doing as well as any of them one of these
9: days. Don't you worry. Well, I'll leave
11: you... Oh, hi, Daddy.
9: Good morning, children. <laughs>
11: I'll see you later, Dennis.
9: Say, what are you so busy with there,
10: Dennis? Oh, I'm filling out a questionnaire for my high school. Let's see... Present situation, unemployed.
9: Unemployed? Why put down a thing like that? Let them think you're a big success. Yeah? Sure. Put down something that sounds important. They won't check. Okay.
10: Present position, wing commander of Honest John's Air Force. (laughs) Very good. Now it says married or single. I'll put down married. Successful men are always married. Now children. I'll put down ten. (laughs) Ten children? Sure. Let them think I'm a big success at everything.
5: (laughs)
9: Well, on second thought, I'd tear that questionnaire up and forget it. Yeah, I guess maybe you're right. There's no... Hello, Herbert. Dennis. Good morning, peachy Pie. Was anything
10: wrong, Mrs. Anderson? You sound kind of blue this morning.
4: Is it any wonder? How would you feel if you'd been rejected as a member of the Weaverville Ladies Bridge and Sewing Club?
10: Oh, I'm not built right for it anyway.
4: <laughs> well, I am, and I've been turned down. So. not Stuck-up women had the nerve to hint that I wasn't in the same social class with them.
9: No, Poopsie.
4: Yes. Oh, I could kill them. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a frightful headache. Run down to the drugstore and get me some aspirin, would you? I shall
9: fly, little oomph girl. <laughs> oh, would
10: you drop my letter off on the way, Mr. Anderson? Just that check on the table. Never mind the questionnaire.
9: All right, I'll put it in the envelope. And, Poopsie, don't you worry about those silly women saying that you're out of their social class.
10: No, Mrs. Anderson. They've got a fine right to say that to you. They're just a bunch of gossipy, nosy old hens. And believe me, you're on the same class with them.
5: <laughs> what? It
10: came out wrong, but you know what I mean.
2: Well, it looks like the new girl's gymnasium is still as far away as Everdeen Hutchkiss. Is that the last of the contributions? Well, just one or two more, I'm afraid. Here's one from a Dennis Day. Dennis Day. How much did he contribute last year? Fifty cents. Uh, And the year before? We sent him a dollar. (laughs) Let's see. Dennis Day. Yes, I had him in my history class. I'll never forget his final examination paper as long as I live. One question was, what did the United States gain from the Louisiana Purchase? His answer was, Do what did he have? Well, we may as well add his few pennies to the collection. Yes. a check. Hmm? Well, that's funny. Good heavens, look at this. Great Scott, $50,000. Why, it's impossible. I remember this day vividly. He was the only boy here who, after four years of high school, had just enough credits to get into junior high.
5: (laughs)
0: he's obviously a genius at making money. Thanks to him,
2: we've got our girl's gym need. Yes, we'll invite him here to dedicate it himself. Why, we'll even name it after it. Good. The Dennis Day Memorial Gymnasium. A permanent monument to matter over mind. <laughs> We'll continue this day in the life of Dennis Day in just a moment. Meanwhile, here's Dennis to sing, I Went Down to Virginia.
7: I went down to Virginia And no one sent for me I went down to Virginia To see what I could see Well on the horses fastest and the gals the best The spirits of the state are guaranteed high test. So I stayed down in Virginia Cause that looked good to me I went down to Virginia And didn't know a soul No wonder folks befriend ya their hearts are made of gold. Why, the civic minded citizens are all so kind. They see to it you hook a fish on every line. Though so I stayed down in Virginia, that's how much I've been sold. So blessed, but If you ever plan a coming down this way, you'll find the things are just exactly like I say, and you'll stay down in Virginia. Virginia!
0: Well, it looks
2: like having a checking account of his own was a little too much for Dennis. By mistake, a practice check he had written for $50,000 was sent to his high school as Dennis's contribution toward a new girl gymnasium, and the delighted school immediately named the gym after Dennis and invited him to come up and dedicate it, which is a little puzzling to our young hero, since so far as he knows, the check he sent was for 75 cents.
11: Golly, Dennis, I just can't get over it.
10: Gosh, neither can I, Mildred. Imagine them calling it the Dennis Day Memorial Gymnasium
11: all you sent them was 75 cents. Well, it can't be the money, Dennis. They must be honoring you because they consider you the average student.
10: They never admitted it when I was there.
11: (laughs) But that must be it. And they're
4: trying to show that money means nothing. It's just... Oh, Mother, have you heard the news, Dennis? I know. Your father just told me. I'd like to speak to Dennis alone for a moment if you don't mind. Why, of course, Mother. I'll see you later, Dennis. Dennis? Yes, ma'am? You know that I've always loved you, don't you? No, ma'am. I do. I do, Dennis. I adore you. Oh, Mrs. Anderson,
10: this is very embarrassing. I'm stuck on your daughter.
5: <laughs>
4: this isn't a proposal. I just want you to know how I feel about you. You see, there's a little something you can do for me. Ah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> You see, those snooty women in the Weaverville Bridge Club I told you about this morning, well, they might not be quite so snooty if I had a gymnasium named after me. You mean you'd like it if they named it after you instead of me? Oh, it's such a little thing to ask, Dennis. But, Mr. Anderson... Haven't I been like a mother to you, Dennis? Who cleans your room? Who washes your clothes? Who cooks your food? Your husband. (laughs) But who makes him? (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
10: that's true Well, gee, if it means that much to you, Mrs. Annison. Oh,
4: you dream boy, you dull face Oh, I only wish there was something I could do for you in return
10: Well, if you really mean that Oh, I
4: do, I do Well,
10: I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time about the mattress on my bed Oh, uh, what about it? Could I have one? <laughs>
2: He's here right now in the ante room. Oh, my gracious, wait till I fix my tie. Uh, How does he look, like a typical millionaire? Yes, one of those eccentric ones. He's wearing a Mickey Mouse sweatshirt. You don't say. Well, show him right in. We mustn't keep him waiting. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Come right in, Mr. Day. Thank you, Professor. Oh, hello, Dean. My boy, sit down, my son. Do sit down.
10: Uh, Can I offer you a Corona? Oh, no, thanks. I never learned to type.
5: (laughs)
2: a cigar. Oh, no, thanks. Well, well, this is just like old times back when you were in school, isn't it, Dennis? <laughs> Here I am on one side of a desk and you on the other.
10: Yeah, all we're missing are my mother and father pleading and crying in between.
2: <laughs> oh, we've had our little difficulties, but I never doubted for a minute that you'd make good. I knew it from the excellent marks you used to get in, in Geog, uh, uh, mathem- uh his,
5: uh,
2: Civics, posture. (laughs) Oh yes, yes, posture. Yes, Dennis, my son, we can't begin to thank you for your magnificent contribution to our gymnasium. Oh gosh, it was nothing, Dean. Nothing. Your money is going to provide over three hundred schoolgirls with the equipment they need so desperately.
10: Oh really? Gee, the price of bloomers must be way down.
2: We're very glad to see you taking it so lightly, my boy. I assure you, your donation is more than we teachers could make in ten years.
10: Honest? You people need legislation even worse than I thought.
2: Well, we just want you to know how grateful we are to you for your check.
10: Then I wonder if you gentlemen wouldn't do a favor for me. Instead of calling at the Dennis Day Memorial Gymnasium, could it be named after my landlady, Mrs. Clara Anderson?
2: Your landlady? Well, why not? Your wish is our command, my boy. The Clara Anderson Memorial Gymnasium, it shall be.
10: Gee, thanks, gentlemen. You'll never know what you've just done for my (laughs) sacroiliac.
2: Well, we're nearly ready for the ceremony, Dennis. Uh, Mrs. Anderson's out there on the stage now, waiting for it to begin.
8: Well, this is going to be a big day in her life, all right. Uh, Pardon me, Mr. Day? Yes. I'm a reporter on the school paper. Donald Harrington, 49. Really? Gee, you certainly don't look it. (laughs) No, I... I mean, that's my class. Could you answer a few questions for our readers? We kids can learn a lot from a man like you. Yeah, I guess you got something there, all right. Well, go ahead, sonny. I'll call you when we're ready, Dennis. Okay, Dean. Now then, Mr. Day, when did you enter and leave this school? Nine in the morning and three in the afternoon. (laughs) Uh, No, I... I mean, what was your senior year? Oh, 1939
5: to 1942.
8: I see. Uh, Do you think the high school boy should go to college? Oh, no, I think you should leave that to the college boy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you believe in sex education in high schools, Mr. Day?
10: Certainly not. I believe every boy and girl should know what sex they belong to
8: before they come in here. (laughs) Mr. Day, do my questions confuse you? Oh, no. Good. Then that leaves only one of us in a mess. <clears throat> but to continue, what do you think of necking in high school? Uh, I think it's more fun at home. I put it down just like you said it. Now, I've got some general questions, too, Mr. Day, okay? Shoot. It's a thought, all right. <laughs> what do you think of labor? Well, on the whole, I'd rather not... But what I meant was, do you think labor should work longer hours? Oh, no. I think 60 minutes is as long as an hour should be.
5: <laughs>
8: and you can quote me on that. If I did, who'd believe me? I beg pardon? Nothing. Well, thank you, Mr. Day. You've been most amazing. Oh, uh, that's all right. Anytime.
2: <laughs> all ready for the ceremony, Dennis. They're waiting for you on the stage. Come on.
8: Okay. See you
10: later, Sonny. Gee, look at all the people. What a crowd. Well, oh, there's Mrs. Anderson on the rostrum. <laughs> Dennis. Oh, not
2: at all <coughs> yeah, members of the honored faculty, alumni, ladies and gentlemen. today, through the generosity of one of our former students, we're about to see our dreams of a new gymnasium materialize. I'd like to present to you now the man who made the Clara Anderson Memorial Gymnasium possible) <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, a man uh, uh, a man who, when he attended our school, was outstanding in such activities as uh and uh well he uh I give you Mr. Dennis Day. Dean
10: Hotchkiss, members of the faculty, students, ladies and gentlemen, today my school has seemed fit to bestow a great honor upon me. Why? Not because I have become rich or famous. Indeed, my contribution to this gymnasium was only 75 cents. But yeah. they...
2: Pardon me, Mr. Day. Would you say that again, please?
10: Certainly. Today, my school has seen
2: fits of be yeah, stone. No, no.
5: <laughs>
2: Down further where the meat is. You mean the part about my giving 75 cents? You did say that, didn't you? Then what's this check of yours I hold in my hand for $50,000? Careful, Dean, you're dropping it. Oh, that's all right. It'll bounce right up again. <laughs>
5: uh,
2: this is your check, isn't it, Mr. Day?
10: Oh, sure, but that's just a practice check. It's no good. You, you mean you don't have $50,000 in the bank?
2: Oh, no, not quite that much.
10: Have you $40,000? No. $30,000? No. $20,000? We'll get there a lot quicker if you start with a buck and work up.
4: <laughs> oh, no!
2: Well, there goes our gymnasium.
4: But my cornerstone with Clara Anderson engraved on it. You mean you're not going to use it now? Oh, we can't afford to waste anything now.
2: We'll use it for the smaller building we plan to build
4: around in the back. <laughs> oh, no, don't do that. Well, why not? What kind of a building is it? For Mrs. Anderson. I want to know what kind of a building it is. Mrs.
10: Anderson, don't get excited. Just think how proud you'll be when they burn the first load of garbage in the Clary Anderson Memorial incinerator.
2: Dance in the orchestra. Here's Dennis to sing The Loveliness of You.
7: Of you.
10: Ladies and gentlemen, this is our last show of the present season, and I just want to take this opportunity. Thank you all for allowing me to come into your homes each Wednesday night. We're going to take a short vacation now and return in the first week of September, and we hope that you'll be listening. Good night, and have a swell summer, everybody. See you in eight weeks.
5: Dennis Day
2: returns to the air again the first week in September. Meanwhile, may we remind you to use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous dream girl hair. And don't miss the August issue of Movie Star Parade Magazine for a picture story of an episode in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Burn Smith speaking tonight. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Boston Blackie, followed by Fibra McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical assistance, and the executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.